0: it's the tft podcast that's theory for turntables i'm matt and that's ryan ryan i wish they could see us now in leather bras and rubber shorts like some ridiculous new team uniform for some ridiculous new sport
1: People used to make records, as in the record of an event, the event of people playing music in a room. Now, everything is cross-marketing. It's about sunglasses and shoes or guns or drugs. You choose.
0: <laughs> We're talking about Annie DeFranco's Little Plastic Castle, uh, her 1998 uh, eighth album album. Maybe uh, eighth, seventh studio album, because she released a, a, uh, a live album in there. And we have returned, Ryan, to the beloved female singer-songwriters of my youth. Ani DeFranco, another one, like Tori Amos, who didn't quite fit in with the Lilith Fair uh, sort of thing. Um, they, I don't think she ever with them or, uh, you know, really was associated with uh, the Indigo Girlses and the Sarah McLaughlin's of the world. But she uh, had an incredible career starting when she was 18 and moved to New York City, uh, founded her own record label and started releasing uh, records, put out, uh, I think, two of them independently before... Um, you know, getting a wider distribution. And, uh, so this is album number, this is like album number eight from, uh, from Ani DeFranco. Now, is this your first exposure to Ani DeFranco in any length or intensity?
1: You know, I think at some point, like with Tori Amos, I think at some point during our, our friendship, I, I said, hey, tell me what I need to know to get into Annie DeFranco or where do I start? Um, and I don't we know that You can was... start
0: by smashing the patriarchy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been working on that for a while. I've been chipping away. Um, no. And so I, I think that where you... Um, uh, the the direction that you pointed me in um, was actually the live album that came out the year before Little Plastic Castle, uh, Living in Clip, which came out in 97, I believe. Um, and that's a pretty good introduction to a lot of what came before. Um, and, and I think what I'm given to understand, there are some kind of overlaps in personnel between that live album, um, and this studio album. And, uh, and then, uh, and so, so this is kind of my second intensive, um, uh, uh exposure to, uh, to, to Ani's work, uh, bef- uh, after listening to Living in Clip. Um, and then you also, um, gave me a, a guided tour of uh, of the two, two to four songs per album, more or less, from um, the beginning up through, um, up to, I guess, Little um, Plastic Castle, or I guess up to just before, um, I guess up through Dilate, I think, which was the studio album before, uh, last studio album before, um, living in clip, um, and so I've I've been getting various crash courses uh, in, in Annie DeFranco uh, because again, you know, even though she was um, in her late twenties at the time this album came uh, out, already quite a lot of catalog and quite a lot of uh, a lot of context. I mean, I guess here's a question I have for you. I mean, beyond the context that I kind of gained through listening to the live album, listening to some selections from the studio albums, I mean, what does does um, a beginner like me need to know about kind of where Annie DeFranco is in her career or, or, or kind of what's going on contextually? Uh, when approaching this
0: album, I mean, what what is useful to know? Sure, I mean, I think her career had become, and the meaning of her career had become a site of some contention uh, with people trying to narrativize it in different ways. And I think you see that in the reviews, the contemporary reviews for this this album. And I'll include some from uh, one from Rolling Stone and one from the AV Club, and they both. Well, I, w- I, w- I want to talk about them in in more depth maybe in a minute, but like, um, so the her career, you know, started at as at this, like, you know, New York folk club, uh, indie DIY, uh, level. I mean, she's, she's punk AF as the millennials say, uh, DIY AF. Uh, so Rachel D must love her must just,
1: <laughs> I mean, cause
0: she loves punk music, you know, and th- it's hard to imagine more punk than, than moving to New York at 18, uh, and, you know, putting out like cassettes that are being like dubbed and distributed, um you know from from uh underground music aficionado to underground music aficionado so right so she had you know, she started to have some success the record that i became aware of her on was uh not a pretty girl that's when i think so, you know some uh teenage girlfriend of mine when i was a teenage boy um like put a couple of the songs on a mixtape and i was uh moved to investigate and ended ended up buying that record and a whole bunch of uh a whole bunch of others and so then she started then i saw her live on the tour before the living in clip tour i think it was the i think it was the um i don't think this she played anything from dilate in it as far as i recall so it was uh uh it would have been like right after not it would have been the not a pretty girl tour and i um I mean, it was, it was cool. Actually, I went to the Mayan theater. I was like 16. It was 20 years ago and, uh, more. And, uh, that's the venue that John Darniel plays. now, right? And and there actually is a similar... I mean, just by way of answering your question, there's a similar trajectory yeah. to some of them because when he stopped doing all the the stuff, started playing with a band, started recording in a studio, you know, and like he... It's, I, I would have loved to see him live in the early days. Uh, you know I was really too late my like my sort of mountain goats fandom didn 't really blossom until a lot later but um you know she he w- was sort of focused on getting getting this intensity onto the recordings when we talked mm. about um we talked about uh All Hill West Texas, and one of the criteria for like the for realness of All Hill, West Texas, that you talked about was like it it was like the moment that the song was conceived, like birthed right. in the in the fires of his heart and like pounded with the the blacksmith 's hammer of his guitar uh you know that that um or pounded with the blacksmith's hammer of his hand on the anvil of his guitar. Right. Like right. <laughs> at that very moment, the song was co- committed to tape. And I, I wonder if the live, I wonder if the live shows were the same, like at, at live, he thinks about all this, like, you know, terribly difficult, um, you know, very emotionally fraught material, but he always seems to have a smile on his face. He always seems like so thrilled to be there when he's, when he's performing. And, uh, um, uh, and uh a little blissed out, you know. And uh Annie DeFranco was is uh live is um, the word that keeps, the phrase that, that all the publications use and that I, you know, I'll just lazily not reach past is force of nature. She's really a force of nature Live Her live show, and I think it's captured a little bit on the, uh, I think it's captured a little bit on the live album. Like the amount of energy, the sort of guitar, the excitement, building excitement with the guitar playing, the showmanship, the rapport with the audience, the, um, the kind of amped up versions of the, of the mellower folky Studio uh, recordings that she did on the road, like they were really, um, they were really these sort of these sort of rock shows. And so I think, like, so I think this this record sits at like the uh, interstices of. Uh, not interstices at the intersection of a couple of different um simultaneous trajectories one was mm-hmm. from one was from kind of like DIY lo-fi into uh you know careful studio production right this record has a horn section it has you know um is a little more sonically subtle than then uh what then the early stuff a, a trend that had started with um I guess with not a pretty girl and continue in, in, dilate. Uh, then there's also the like, um, the, the kind of becoming more famous, more people becoming aware of her trend. And so this is like maybe crossover year. These are more. I wouldn't call the sound pop, but that some of the song structures are poppier with sort of choruses and hooks and stuff like that in a way. Um, Well, and and there are certain songs, if not pop kind of
1: correspond fit, fit in and are in dialogue with this, what alternative rock sounded like in 1998. Um, I think a little bit about like this, the speak singing on fuel. Yeah, Um, I think a little bit about, I mean, a number of the songs um, uh, as is, I think, um, right, could, could have kind of fit in the kind of alterna pop radio right around that time as well, and uh, a few others as well. Um, I mean, there's a way in which Little Plastic Castle, like the title track, could have been a No Doubt song, right? Because <laughs> um, it's kind of, and, and actually, so that was the, the, the Rachel's, Rachel, the punk correspondent Rachel D's favorite Ani DeFranco song is the One Scott
0: song (laughs) (laughs) well that like i you know it's it's hard to to like the way the album starts right with the kind of jangly guitar and her singing and it's this sort of she always referred to herself as a folk singer and like would refer to herself in the third person as the folk singer um so like that that movement from the the um kind of jangly guitar, not jangly, the twangy guitar, uh with her singing solo over it, to suddenly all of a sudden, here's this big band, here's a horn section, here's this rhythm that's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, like here's this kind of like ass shaking rhythm to it. Yeah. Is uh that kind of I think tells you a little bit about where what's happening um What's happening in in her in her career at this at this point? And yep. this is, I think, you know, I, I should check the the Wikipedia. I wouldn't be surprised if this was uh, the most commercially successful. I think that's correct.
1: Yeah, I think I, I also I also read that when I was prepping. I, it was like at least it was at it was the kind of highest. The, I, I th- if I remember correctly, um, I believe that not. A pretty girl has overall sold more, but I think this was like the highest
0: bill highest chart on the billboard albums chart okay um, yeah, and that like and so it totally right it totally happened you know that that the crossover i mean or the kind of the apotheosis of this trend um sort of happened right like and this i feel like a little bit uh she's she's mountain goatsy um in the sense that her songwriting is is unique you know mm-hmm. there there isn't anyone it really is a it really is kind of a singular voice and and that's i mean she's mountain goatsy by being absolutely nothing like mountain goats at all right like the, <laughs> the but like by by being absolutely nothing like any anyone else at all, and like she, I sort of think of her as the sort of original, like feminist spoken word poetry artist. You know, the uh, rather, and and she sort of spawned a bunch of of imitators. I feel like she was a, a real. Um, a lot of people got got swept up in in her influence and ended up doing sort of versions. Uh, versions of of what she did. Anyway, so that's. Uh, well, I
1: just I, I want to have one, just say one other similarity to the Mountain Goats, which you alluded to. But I think that as much as as um, she has kind of this singular voice, I think that this album also struck me as being similar. Actually, in a lot of ways to um, the most recent Mountain Goose album to Goths and, and that it's a moment where a, you know, market in a transition from a solo act to a solo act with kind of touring musicians or kind of recording musicians becoming a, a certain, uh, a band-like incarnation of this. Because you just, and I, I think, and again, I, even hearing that evolution through some of the other tracks and then um, listening to this and listening to the way that the entire ensemble plays. As as much as, you know, there is kind of very this very singular lyrical and kind of songwriting voice, then there is this other level of songwriting um, in in the instrumentals and the ways in which they breathe. And I mean, I think that the, um, you know, I mean, with the extreme uh, example being Pulse, right, the um, the closing track, which is what something like
0: 15 minutes long, 15 minutes long. Nice it's it's a really good kind of ambient kind of slow jam you know <laughs> Yeah 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 it's 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 a
1: lot it can become a lot of different things at once right Um and uh and that's there and I think that the the and 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 I think as we alluded it kind of there's the it hits a lot of different genres in part because the band is able to explore and kind of follow different threads and kind of um take the bones of the songs and put different kinds of flesh onto them at different times right um and so i think that 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 kind of the the song singer songwriter meeting a band. That's really gelling is something that I noticed as kind of happening at this album. And it's something that's kind of very similar to where, you know, to mountain goats circa 2017, uh, 2018, um, w- which was another parallel.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I have more I want to say at about the the songwriting and kind of the unique things a, about her. It's a little bit. This is going to be a little bit like the Little Earthquakes episode in which like I have a lot of pent up things that I want to put out into the world.
1: Uh, I shall I shall receive your ideas, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um,
0: but uh, let's uh, let's take a break at this point. Give everyone a chance to listen to uh, to listen to Little Plastic Castle. Um, and, and, you know, if you want bonus listening, I would say the live album is the place to start, uh, living in clip from the, the year previous, the year prior. Um, but the, uh, uh, the subject of, of our show today is little plastic castle. So, uh, give it uh, a spin or two and, uh, meet us back here after we are, uh, back from this word from our commercial sponsor. Are you a terrible pet owner? I'm I I so many have died. My backyard is like a, like an animal cemetery. Well then, why not get a goldfish? Oh,
1: tell me more. Well, you see, goldfish, they have no memory. So even if you abuse them or fail to feed them or overfeed them or neglect them or swear at them, They'll just forget that you did that.
0: Oh, hey, my goldfish is floating at the top of the little, uh, the unadorned glass bowl that I put it in. I could just get another one, right?
1: Exactly. You too then can be like the goldfish. Forget this goldfish, replace it with another goldfish, and you'll forget there was even a first goldfish. It's just a permanent goldfish. It is you and goldfish in stasis forever. Oh,
0: wow. I'm indifferent to the suffering of other creatures.
1: I mean, really, it's a goldfish
0: (laughs) Down the toilet bowl it goes then That's right Get a goldfish It's a goldfish (laughs) And we're back
1: um, there are there are a lot of fish on this album i don't know if you noticed that there um it's a um it's an image that comes up and i don't know if i'll i'll get all of the references um at the top of my head but there's a lot of times um in which fishes or fish tank or being on a line like a fish come up um and it's it's i mean it's really there i mean not only in the kind of um you know the opening track and the title type- In some of these songs, I mean, she herself is the has the rudimentary photoshopped um, kind of uh, face fish uh, on the on the album cover, which makes this like, you know, I have to say, if you if you didn't know you know that this was an annie defranco album I mean it otherwise is a very ninety eight album like you you could have thought that little plastic castle was like a ska band right right
0: exactly <laughs> it definitely has that like early uh desktop publishing kind of yeah, look yeah. to the to the kind of clip art things that are that are put together too and,
1: and the font too right it's yeah. it, it should be it's like
0: it is like it's a real big fish cover
1: band real small fish right
0: <laughs> <laughs> um the Uh, Okay, so Little Plastic Castle, uh, Swan Dive is like – Swan Dive into shark-infested waters – I believe. Oh, what is it? Glass, I believe glass house is sort of like uh, is like you know a glass house is kind of an aquarium, um, and so Loom, on. Loom has it.
1: Loom has. I always looked into your glasses like a cat looks into a fish tank.
0: Yeah, sure. Um,
1: and there's at least one more. There's a there's a couple others. I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it's. I mean, it's an interesting. I mean, it's an interesting thing because fish are sort of. Uh, fish are sort of secure and vulnerable at once, but they're sort of otherworldly because they live in another, uh, another medium, but they're, they're vulnerable as well because that, that medium is contained within a still larger context, uh, that also contains a cat, right? And so that, uh, you know, so that, uh, uh, I, I don't know, kind of gets, there's, there's kind of like a two, a two way looking, um, thing of the, the fish. I mean, I'll say there's yeah. also
1: being, and there's being like another side that is
0: being scrutinized,
1: right? Being very visible and yet having very little like. You know, agency,
0: right? So that's—I um, mean, this is the thing. Like the the almost all the reviews of this record seized on one verse in "Little Plastic yeah, Castle," which yeah, was yeah. Uh, people talk about my image. I, I'm not even looking at lyrics. People talk about my image, like I come in two dimensions. Like lipstick is the sign of my declining mind. Like what I happen to be wearing the day that somebody the, the day that someone takes a picture is my new statement to all of womankind. Um, and like they're all slagging on her for doing they're slagging her off for for saying this and like well who elected you you know feminist <laughs> president right like or like uh gosh that's uh you know that's awfully conceited of you to say but by Making that the focus of their <laughs> comments, they're proving her point, yeah. right? And this is, you know, this is like, there was a, her career was a site of some, uh, of some contention. Like, is she, and she was always sort of alienating and confounding. There's an early song called In, In or Out that is basically about refusing to identify in a kind of binary gender identity or a sort of binary, uh, sexual orientation, right? Like, either one, uh, either one or, or the other. And so she has this uh, sort of um non-oriented or sort of non-binary thing uh way before it was cool.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I know. It's, it, you know, I guess, I guess general Xers is really were the original millennials. <laughs> um, uh, no, you know, it's interesting because I actually think. I'm just not the, into labels, man. I'm just not into <laughs> the, labels. The the key verse in that song is I actually think not the one that all the reviews focused on. Right. I actually think it's, it's a little sooner, at least especially from the perspective of the album as a whole is actually the two It's it's, I, yeah, I guess how you put it like the third and fourth, right? From the shape of your shaved head, I recognized your silhouette as you walked out of the sun and sat down. And the sight of your sleepy smile eclipsed all of the other people as they paused to sneer at the two girls from out of town. I said, look at you You this morning. You are by far the cutest, but be careful getting coffee. I think these people want to shoot us. Or maybe there's some kind of local competition here to see uh, who can be the rudest. And I I guess I I, I gravitate towards that because this – Imagery, this kind of relationship um, is, I I actually feel like, central to the album. And I I feel like this kind of you know it's and that's kind of there I, I there's a, i see a through line between those verses of little plastic castle through to two little girls and kind of all the way through to um, pulse even as well even if it's not necessarily narrative in the same way i see some of these kinds of relationships um and and i uh, and, and and i mean it's, it I, it's so interesting right that there's this kind of interplay between the personal and the political throughout this album, and, it, and it's something I kind of saw uh, um, on, in the snippet style from the other albums, but here I think there's a movement between kind of honing in on very specific dynamics of specific relationships and then zooming out to kind of society. Right? And this,
0: this is, I mean, this was a feature, this is kind of the folkiest feature, aside from kind of some aesthetic things, like it's guitar, generally it was acoustic guitar early on, um, you know, had kind of choruses and stuff stuff like that that you i suppose could sing along to the the um this was kind of the fokiest aspect of her songwriting was that the the it was sort of instance it was like songwriting by example by like by for instance where the personal you know the personal relationships were co- connected to like larger social problems or kind of political uh political convictions like one one of the reasons that i love uh her work so much is how entrepreneurial she is how she sort of she is uh you know she's from buffalo and uh has this like this sort of blue collar background and she writes unironically about like the labor movement um right there's a later song uh i forget the title of it but she writes about her early experience and kind of political awakening in the is i was just a girl in a room full of women licking stamps and laughing i remember the sound of community building of democracy happening and that uh that like, so that that like political organization, unions, and then starting her own label, like be, like starting a small business, hustle, you know, it's like, th- there's, it's a, it's a non, it's a kind of non, uh, I don't know, it's a kind of non, Spiritual lib, it, it's a very material liberalism. And I, I like, I am happy to sort of claim it for that reason. And, and I'm happy to sort of, uh, and, and I sort of enjoy it because I feel like it, it confounds a lot of people. It confounds a lot of people on the left and that, and like it, who were her fan base in, in the same way that I think a lot of her identity stuff, uh, you know, confounds a lot of people. And she was always sort of pointing to life and kind of making it more, uh, more complex and kind of not like uh, saying that the the experience cannot be reduced to a slogan, which is a remarkable thing to do in a pop song, which, uh, you know, the the point of which is to reduce experience to a slogan or, you know, a set of hooks or something, uh, something like that. but yeah well, and, and and this was
1: something that you know, as I was listening to this all week with t f t punk correspondent Rachel D, as rachel D pointed out the overall both on this album and kind of in the snippets of the catalog that we listened to, the kind of lack of the the almost aggressive anti hookiness um and 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 you know even though there are you know elements of melodicism that that kind of having kind of sticky hooks um and kind of sticky choruses uh and kind of reducing songs to that um we're, our, um, you know, it are, 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 you know, uh, resisting that is definitely part of the point. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, at some point today, Rachel actually texted me, um, like, uh, oh my god, I like, uh, I have the Ani song in my head. Um, and then right after that, she says, Ani makes me want to go hiking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah right like uh get up get up into the mountains you know like just experience some nature right
1: well i i guess that that is i mean it is so interesting because we talked about the punkness before and it is it's you know i guess there's an interesting question of can you be a punk with an acoustic guitar uh-huh. <laughs> um and i think that part of this is contextual in some ways in in the 90s, grabbing an acoustic guitar was among the punker things you could do, right? Right. Um, and, and because we've kind of talked about these kinds of situational punks of, of, against kind of rebelling against some kind of a status
0: quo. Um and and you know I um, right and the status I mean the status quo what was going on huge in rock and roll music then was the ascendancy of Seattle and uh, and grunge and here's the other here's the other like frozen northern corner of the country right and here's uh, here's this completely completely different aesthetic not sort of airy fairy like like Jewel and Sarah McLachlan and and like uh, all these other people would turn out to be but a little more Alanis right like a little. Yeah. more um Though though she started recording before Alanis, I think uh, a little more, a little spike.
1: At least while Alanis was like a pop star, right? Right. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, and but a little spikier and a little more, a little more uh, jagged, right? Well,
1: it, it, it reminds me of you know, and and I think that another set of artists that I've been thinking about when we've been talking about the kind of means of production of this and kind of the independence, the DIYness, is Fugazi, right? And it reminds me again of the um, when we talked about Red medicine um the line from target right um uh you know it's cold outside my hands are dry skin is cracked and i realize that i hate the sound of guitars right (laughs) A, a, a thousand grudging young millionaires um and and i think that that is there is a sense in which the um you know that at the time of creation you know the first the acoustic guitar and then i think what by the time of little plastic castle is kind of I feel like the the already the the acoustic guitar had been captured a little bit or was about to be captured. And so that you have movements away to towards different kinds of textures. Um, You know, again, especially um, I I found the first two tracks of Little uh, Plastic Castle really surprising, um, you know, because of the of the kind of two textures. Right. Because the acoustic, the acoustic rap. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I I actually really hoped that it was all like fuel. I mean, right? Like that was I could go for a whole album of like late '90s sprekazong. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's one of the things I like, right? Like that. Actually, late '90s Sprekazong could be a good a good mixtape. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, a, a, good, to, a good Spotify playlist. I was right? about
0: to say, yeah, we could do like a limited edition vinyl pressing or something. Tfto01 on our own record label, where it's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, this and 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 uh, Hold Steady and some other stuff.
1: Um well I I mean well if late if you also you late nineties you have popular by not a surf. Uh-huh. Uh, uh if you if you remember that one. Um there's a lot. Uh there's there's a lot. I mean I don't know. I think I look, I think if you're going for the Shrekazong, you have to go warts and all. I think if you have Shrekazong yeah, even if, if you have Ani or the early work of uh Craig Finn, you probably need to include include third eye blind as well, right? Uh-huh. Like not just cool people were speak singing in the nineties. <laughs> Everyone was doing it.
0: <laughs> um that uh you know, that, that's sort of an interesting song because it's one of the, um, uh, it's one of the few kind of non-personal songs, yeah. right? Like she writes, she writes about these dyads and, and, uh, and yeah. they, they are, there are kind of several continua, uh, along which you can do the, the dyad, like the, the continuum, f- uh, continuum from like enemy, adversary, uh, friend to lover, right? Yep. The continuum of kind of like, uh, positive to negative affect, like warm yep. to, warm to cold, uh, feeling. And then the, the, uh, the, the continuum of sort of ally to adversary or like a line yeah. there's a continuum of like alignment of interests whereas yep. like uh loom da- is you know poor alignment of interests independence day is poor alignment of yep. uh interest actually that independence day that that right um that could be a mountain goats lyric right like did i ever tell you how i stopped eating when you stopped calling me i was cramped up shitting rivers for weeks and pretending i was finally free uh, yeah. that, like, <laughs> he could have, you know, with that, that sort of sense of bitter irony and the kind of the economy of its, uh, the economy yeah. of its expression. And also, also, um, huge John Darnielle trick is placing the rhyme at a different uh, on a different stress than you think it's going to come.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess it's uh, the John Darnielle lyric is what do I do? What do I do? What do I do when I'm shitting rivers of poo? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is not that. <laughs> but <laughs> On the morning that I took a shit without you for the first time, I used too much toilet paper, so I wrapped it around my hand. Uh, that and that, someday we will cover every,
1: you know, like someday before the 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 heat death of the universe, we will cover
0: every Mountain Goats release. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's funny, There. there isn't a lot of hookiness, and, like, Fuel is kind of like that, like, it's this, it's this jam, kind of, this kind of instrumental jam that doesn't have a lot of, uh, doesn't have a ton of shape, um, has a couple of little interludes, uh, with some guitar noodling, uh, in between it, but it's really, the focus is really on the lyrics and on the, the sort of, the rhythm of it, and this is, like, she had done, um, a lot of uh, spoken word pieces on the records before unaccompanied, and wow. this is to, for me. Fuel and Pulse are the uh, are the first time where they're sort of they sort. Of, I mean, Fuel is more a rap than Pulse is, uh, but they're, they're sort of these spoken word pieces uh, to. To music, there, there I, I think yeah, Pixie, Pixie, kind of has that element too. I guess Pixie's a little more
1: songy, but I, I feel like I, I find that Pixie is a companion piece with Fuel, kind of thematically. Also, that it's less about one of these kind of relationship dyads and a little more about you know. Um, right. Like all the, uh, uh, you know, what was it? Um, what's the modified, all the, all the ornery hipsters, right?
0: Um, yeah. Uh, well, I could, I, I could join forces with an army of ordinary hipsters, but then I guess I'd be out of a job. So I guess that's out of, a, out of the picture. So good. <laughs> I know. And all the, also like, uh, all the privileged white kids on TV playing at death, uh, yeah. with their, their cocaine makeup and their heroin breath. Right. Yeah. And that's like, uh, you know, a pretty like, I don't know, that's a good burn on a lot of the a lot of the kind of the early nineties kind of grunge culture. Yep. And and I guess the kind of the late the later Baroque phases of that, your Marilyn's Manson and you know and what have <laughs> you. Uh that that, you know. Um but that yeah, I guess so that that is also a social song, right? And she's she's also kind of trying to um She's kind of trying to triangulate her position uh, inside the larger culture in that yes. in that song, and like because a lot of the a lot of the statements that she makes about herself seem manifestly false, right? Like I'm a pixie, I'm a paper doll, I'm a cartoon, I'm a chipper, cheerful, free for all, and I let up the room. I'm the color me happy girl, miss live and let live, and when they're out for blood, I always give. Uh, and that like uh, I, she's not the color me happy girl. She wrote a song called "Letter to a John" about someone giving laughter dances for five dollars and like right. you right. know how her only satisfaction in life is to take the money she makes and go away uh she's not a chipper cheerful free-for-all not not uh not even a little bit and that like i wonder if that's in in comparison or i sort of wonder about those they're they're uh bemusing right those those sort of statements about herself um and I wonder if that's how she's sort of seen by the music press or by her fans or by the culture right like uh I feel like the only the only thing in that that's true is that she I bet she believes when they're out for blood she always gives
1: I mean it is it is like that lyric I mean that I think some of those lyrics connect back to the the two dimensions um, verse of Little Plastic Castle, right? Because yeah. even that's being a, a paper doll and a cartoon, um, and so there is a little bit of of. Well, you know whatever you say, I am. That's what I'm not, right? Um, and even like, right? The you know going back to the heroin breath um, verse. The the rest li- The the rest of that verse is, and all the little fishes are flapping wildly oh, on their fish. hooks. More fish. More fish more fish wah, 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 wah. Uh, um, and, uh, and while all the top critics find great meaning in the telephone book um and I, I don't know I, I, I like that line because it, it it both lands and then I'm like and then you go huh <laughs> right? uh, but like it's, but she delivers her in such a way where like
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I mean th- this was a uh t- you sort of can't do it there's like, I feel like the current political situation has, read to, has led to a uh, rise. Of- of like public intellectuals uh whether they're any damn good or not is another question is another matter but like there is this role again and also a sense that like this is important like that the discourse that we have in op-eds and you know think pieces and stuff like this this is uh this is important to you know the 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 state of the republic that we kind of have to like be vigilant and ask how stands the republic um and that this this happened at a it, it coincided with the like the first Clinton economic expansion, right? Following the first Bush recession that I think led to the first dot com boom, uh, which I say to distinguish it from the second Bush recession <laughs> and the second dot com boom. Um, but there there was this sense in which like academia and music criticism, there was this sense of like coffeehouse intellectuals, yeah. you know, zine publishers yep. like, yep. you know, Turtle Neck wearing, whatever's that, uh, that, um, I think, I don't know, that, that strikes me that it, it is sort of dated, uh, and that, like, that reference, like the, the great meaning in the, in the telephone books, which is like an image of like people squandering their, uh, intellectual capacity on something other than the, you know, the other than dialectical materialism.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is interesting to think about kind of great meaning in the telephone books. Although, I mean, I wonder, like, I feel like, that that we do all the critics do try to find great meaning in the telephone books now and that but that's just called that's just called um pl- like, please please share and retweet right <laughs> sure
0: right well they also uh, I mean they now try to find it's called like machine learning it's called like algorithmic you know like a uh, uh, data mining or something it, like that in you fact
1: know? it is it is now more than ever it's easy to find the great <laughs> meaning the telephone books <laughs> right like we are going whatever meaning. Is there? We are going to uh, this algorithm is going to squ- artisanally squeeze the meaning out of the tele- telephone book, yeah. right? Uh, it's freshly pulped, uh, pulp-free, uh, pulp-free telephone meaning um, just squeezed right out. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, again, that actually, I mean, I, I think I love the kind of through line that we're drawing between the um, title track and this because it kind of goes back what we were kind of saying about the kind of coffee shop culture, zine culture. It goes right back to the very opening lines of the whole album, right? Uh, In a coffee shop in a city, which is every coffee shop in every city on a day, which is every day. I picked up a magazine, which is every magazine. Read a story and then forgot it right away.
0: Uh, how can, such a great such a great verse! How can you hear that and not be like, "Oh, this is an interesting person that I want to that I want to know more about"? Uh, you know, I mean, no, it's, it, it, well, it's well, what I like about this is beyond kind of being kind of going in on.
1: The, well, I mean, I guess it's like, well, I don't know. You, a at the time, if you're writing for a magazine, <laughs> and and you you don't want to hear that you. That your um, your what your your work right your criticism is a commodity, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, And that it it is uh, it is interchangeable with many uh, substitutes and um, interchangeable with the what you will write in the future. And I think that that you know what she kind of is capturing at that moment is only amplified right in the endless churn of hot takes yeah right that you must replace with a hotter take before the 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 previous take has even cooled right um and and there is a great convergence on a great hot take convergence um even in the endless cycle of takes backlash takes uh reverse takes <laughs> and so on um and and it's all forgotten right due to the churn um we we are we are always forgetting yeah i mean uh, it's
0: it, you know the the uh the little pla- i mean what, cuz what is the little plastic castle right like that's the kind of the cultural distraction that's the magazine piece or the the uh humdrum hit song from fuel um right uh i keep hear- she she says i keep hearing that same damn song everywhere i go and she's you know she's talking about she's sort of anti-homogenization and she's anti the homogenization of mass culture but she's also anti the homogenization of z of like scene yeah. scene culture or yeah. z- zine scene culture was zine culture in a certain scene at the time um Look, I I, uh, I liberated some copier resources when I was in junior <laughs> high and, and high school. We actually almost got, got like uh, uh, it got, it got in some serious trouble. Like they were like, "Oh, this is theft!" Blah 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 for uh, copying uh, copying our, our zine when I was when I was thirteen. I'm a rebel, Ryan is what I mean. What to was say. what
1: was the name of your
0: zine? Inferno. Oh. <laughs> <Burn>. <laughs> my uh uh yeah my um uh it's junior high and high school buddy danny fonda uh it, we ran for there was an ombuds position on the student council l- uh, later that when you could uh You could, um, you know, represent kids who were like in trouble for drugs or things like this, uh, and at least sort of advocate for them a little bit in the disciplinary things. And he and I ran for that. Uh, and our, our slogan was, uh, are you Fonda rather, or would you rather Fonda? (laughs) That was pretty, that was pretty great. Um, the, uh, so speaking of hookiness, just to kind of change the subject a little bit, um, I I sort of there aren't there aren't those kind of like shiny hooks but what I find in this album are little like little aquarium treasure boxes little yeah, like yeah. little tiny moments um in songs where like something very cool happens and like I'll often rewind um used to have to do this on the CD on the boombox by like pressing and holding the uh reverse uh the previous song button you know um but like, there, there are a couple of these, like, I think that like, uh, the bridge in deep dish, which is the, you know, uh, mm. if you want to dance with me, I'll tell you how it's going to be. It's just so great. It's like such, it's, you know, I could imagine a whole song built around that as a mm. chorus. You know what I mean? And you you remember the line I'm talking about, right? If you yep, want to yep. dance with me, it's got, it's got movement. It's got syncopation. It's got memorability. Uh, it's got easy rhymes. It's, me- you know, and, uh, you could do a whole thing where like you Max Martin the shit out of it. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And like make it sort of obvious. And it's, it's done in this like tinny mid-rangey radio style, uh, where where it's almost like this is too catchy we have to downplay it we have to fuck it up somehow um the other one is in is in loom after the breakdown in loom where it goes into the bridge or the one way glass that that watches me there's this kind of build back up to the uh i wanted to take up lots of room i wanted to loom um where the um where breaks down to just guitar adds in some bass adds in drums and then comes in crashing on the last uh uh for the last verse of the song and that's just like i just i'm never not thrilled by that when when uh when i listen to it i also think like i don't know i think independence day is a really good um i saw her once in in hartford connecticut and this was after a double album a later double album called reveling reckoning and uh and I went to I went to Hartford with our friend Emily Neubauer and uh she and Annie was on stage. It was a solo show, uh and she said, Here's uh she has this kind of like, here's a Uh, whiny folk song in the great tradition of whiny folk songs (laughs) and, uh, independence day is like a really good, just whiny folk song, you know, about like, uh, you know, where you really just have to kind of take the suffering of the, you have to take the suffering of the first person narrator very seriously in order to, uh, to do it, uh, in order to, to do it. But even there, right. This, like this contrarian impulse, um, that I appreciate so much is there, right? Like, so the, the, the politically correct lyric is, I don't think love is, I don't think war is noble and I don't want to think love. I, I don't want to think love is like war. And then the next line is, but I've got a big hot cherry bomb and I want to stick it through the mail slot of your front door. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, I don't think love is like war. Love is like domestic terror. <laughs>
1: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> that uh that this is um you know so that so that it's not like i uh, i don't i don't think love is like war so we're going to like we're going to sit on the commune and like you know be at one with everything it's like no i'm i'm going to letter bomb you you know is the yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is the the u- unibomber of love
0: <laughs> right was there anything else that stuck out to you on this um uh on this on this record or any other impressions that you had uh that yeah, you Yeah, I mean to, like... I think one piece that stuck out sonically and there's
1: a few other songs um like this um is actually what we were kind of talking about um the way that, that uh that the title track and fuel are an odd start to the album. I mean even based on my limited, you know, experience, I was expe- expecting a lot more Um, strummed acoustic guitar. And so then, so then as a result, um, uh, gravel is much more like the fact that it was what I expected, but was deferred made it hit a lot harder. Sure. Um, and, and gravel on yeah, and gravel is one that I remembered. I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but is gravel something that she was playing at the time of living in clip? Like is gravel on living in clip? Yeah, it's um, the it's the, oh, so, it's the
0: first song of living in clip.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so and and it's awesome on there, and 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 I and you just hear that kind of percussiveness of the guitar playing, um, the kind of very fast kind of rhythmic strumming and it's and in the way that the the um the guitar playing echoes the um the the fight 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 at all costs yeah uh, is just very like that just that kind of convergence of the playing and the singing um is just was was a very kind of um remarkable sonic moment
0: to me. Yeah, it's it it is very cool and that like that's one of those it's almost it's one of the more rockier songs, yeah. right? Like cuz she's not like Peter Paul and Mary strumming, she's really aggressively strumming yeah. steel string guitar on a lot of the later yeah. stuff. Uh certainly a lot of the stuff around here uh around this record and um and like uh yeah. And, and with the band on the, uh, on the live record, it has just a ton of, has a ton of energy. Now there's like the next song is as is, which is different, which is sort yeah. of different in the, it's not strummed guitar. There's this like guitar finger picking pattern. Yep. Right. And she does, she does this a lot to, uh, whether it's like, um, on out of range, which is off of, uh, uh, it was the title track, the album out of range and also closes the first uh, live CD, um, and was a great kind of first set closer, uh, on that tour. Um, that, you know, that is, or here as in as in as is where it's this kind of like uh folky sort of folky acoustic acoustic thing like she's the thing like she's a really good guitar player you know and that this is (laughs) like uh almost almost more than she's a good singer you know she's a good singer she's fine but she doesn't she's not a you know i don't know uh uh a jewel even right like in terms of uh uh like vocal technique or having a sort of beautiful instrument. She makes do and she gets she gets a certain kind of beauty out of it, but like that's not her thing. I think that the guitar playing though is just first rate. It's intricate, uh it's like complex, um, and it it sort of is in service of it is in service of the the larger songs. On stage she's you know, there there's a tech that brings a good a new guitar for every song, all different tunings, all different things. Uh she she uh she um she uh, tells a story about jamming with prince uh, she met Prince apparently one day, and like he was like, get in the limo, let's go back to Paisley Park and play some music. And uh, she said, all I had with me was a tenor guitar. It's a four-string guitar, and is like a real hick instrument. Is a real like folky. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning type of uh, uh, type of instrument. And that's what she had with her. And so she like played with Prince on. Uh, that's awesome. On this like you know on this sort of hick. Guitar. Yeah, I know. You know, really, sort of fantastic stuff. And and uh, you know, Prince isn't the the only musical legend that she's met, right? And been associated with. You you keep sending me this picture of her at the New Yorker Festival. (laughs)
1: yeah it's it's uh, her uh, uh alongside uh, the rizza and steve albini right <laughs> and
0: is steve albini I mean, interviewing them or is like who's, who's know, interviewing I, is it a panel of all of them who's interviewing who right? I, I, i'd i like to believe that they're actually just like i mean look i i uh, i keep
1: coming back to this image again and again like i invent a different story for it every time that i see it you know sometimes um i yeah you you do imagine um you know sometimes i imagine that it's the the most expected thing that they're all on one panel another sometimes Steve Albini is interviewing them another they, they've actually they are working on a collaborative album that <laughs> the world shall never hear uh, they they the three of them recorded an album together and then shot it into space <laughs> um, and in um, another they are actually um, planning a coup of the New Yorker magazine <laughs> um, uh, which would uh, unfortunately uh, be, be stymied and so yeah there's a lot of there, there are a lot of ways that um, that the, this photo, this this fantastic photo, could have gone.
0: Yeah, I, I like I like that. Like, because the, the New Yorker is every magazine, right? And you read a story, you you. Forget, <laughs> by the way, it's like it's like the bright eyes. Uh, it's like uh, uh, at the bottom of everything from I'm wide awake. It's morning where he talks about like, and I'm just re- I'm on a plane and I'm <laughs> reading this really arduous magazine article about third world poverty or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is interesting. I mean, thinking about that era of Bright Eyes folkiness, right? That of being the the kind of maybe peak folk Bright Eyes. um, You know that, like, right? Going back to like the style of the guitar, guitar playing, and the ways in which this is this album is folky. Is that this is just so. The level it's 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 well beyond that, right? Because the broad eyes was it was doing a lot more kind of Dylan pastiche and kind of Dylan and contemporaries pastiche on this album, right? And that was the kind of um, you know how 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 the hell are we electing George W. Bush again? Album, right? It was kind of you know peak that wave of kind of um, liberal liberal outrage and and resistance, and 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 it's I, I think when I approached Ana DeFranco naively, I expected a lot more of that. And I think especially by the time of, of this album, by, by little pots of castle, there are just so many, you know, that I think what struck me about this, uh, and it, it takes a lot of, to kind of wrap my mind around is that by this point in cr- her career, she had already developed a lot of different modes of guitar playing and a lot of different modes of singing. Um, And just so, even if it had been unaccompanied, there would have been a nearly kind of fractal, like kind of just many permutations. But then with the band and with the uh, um, instrumentation and all of I think the modes that each of these experienced musicians um, has, right, and especially kind of Sarah Lee, right, who kind of um, played bass even in you know post-punk legends Gang of Four and had um, played around quite a lot, you know that there are so many permutations of each of the instrumental styles with each of her kind of then modes of musical um of, of vocal styles that that that's what kind of lends this kind of uh, album the variety and richness that it that it has. I mean, there are just it, it, there are, are just so many possibilities for what an Ani DeFranco song can be. This, this
0: is just one possibility in a world of possibilities. There are many possibilities, <laughs> ranging from long to short. Before something, there was nothing. Before nothing, there was always the possibility of something. Becoming what it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I want to say though about the guitar playing and and it, it's interesting, and I, I'm still processing this. And maybe we'll we'll discuss this artist as we go through the late '90s. But the 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 you know in terms of the um the the intricacy of the kind of strumming patterns and the rhythmic nature, you know, the the closest comparator I actually know of in in this late '90s kind of style of acoustic guitar playing is actually dave matthews (laughs) (laughs) um and is is especially no no and 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 i think that like um you know, especially it, it gets obscured because J- Dave Matthews gets intrinsically lumped into jam band, um, especially because of kind of that's how they are live and kind of how that that band um, uh, evolved. But especially if you if you listen. Right. So there was around this time, um, this Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds album, um, which was um, um Oh I believe it was it was from the late 90s um and, and it was just the two of them on acoustic guitar um it was live at Luther College from 1999 um so it was yeah like a year after this um and it's and and it kind of kind of reveals Kind of again there's a, 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 I would say a convergent evolution <laughs> there. Um or uh and and it's it's I think not something that one would necessarily associate because that is already right that um you know Dave Matthews band is associated as kind of the kind of heart of Brocore, <laughs> right? Um and I think are there are ways in which kind of these kind of the the early nineties acoustic rebellion had been recaptured and I think the kind of popularity and mainstreamness of um dave matthews band is one of those but it is there is something in the technique and the kind of rhythm and texture um in in the kind of sound of the acoustic guitar that is i I, again um especially if you really hone in uh, uh on that uh that that luther college um uh, album is is something you'll notice and i know this how do i know this <laughs> because i was that man listening to dave matthews in 1998 and 1999 like you know part of the reason that i needed to be um introduced to ani defranco is because what i was listening to in 1998 99 when i wasn't listening to dmx was Dave Matthews band among other things. I was, it was a very confusing time. Um, those, that time, um, between the star report and nine eleven, <laughs> um,
0: um,
1: and, and so it, I, I, again, it was something that really, and, 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 you know, maybe we may have to, um, engage with one of these, uh, Dave Matthews albums in some ways, um, uh, because the, the similarity struck me, um, a lot, um, in part because that was the kind of category, the library of norms that I had, kind of entering, uh, engaging with the, uh, that specific mode of the um, of, of some of the guitar playing on some of the songs. Of well,
0: yeah, so I, I mean, I just it just as as in like punk, uh, I I uh, have been kind of joking about this, but I gather T F T punk correspondent Rachel D did not love a lot of Annie DeFranco, even though she's punk as fuck uh, in terms of being indie and DIY and and uh sort of confounding and in your face um it's you you said well punk is an aesthetic uh more more than it's just a technique or more than it's just a uh uh like a what a position or a um yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, an, an, I mean, an, yeah. an orientation. And, and, uh, re- regarding Dave Matthews, I, I have to say acoustic folk rebellion, uh, is an orientation as much as it is an aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As much as it is an aesthetic. Uh, but I'm glad, I you know, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you were into this record and I, I really appreciated the opportunity to, uh, to revisit it. And I think this was probably a good place to dip into Ani DeFranco for, for, TFT, um, it's uh, probably her most accessible and it does kind of like, like I say, there are like a lot of uh, kind of tributaries of her career that kind of flow into this this uh, particular river and empty... Into a fish tank uh, t- down by the ocean. All right, uh, let's leave it there. If you want to, uh, if you want to hit us up, uh, publish a zine by uh, <laughs> m- misappropriating Xerox from your school or work, and, and leave uh, it leave
1: it in a, in a coffee shop. Right, right.
0: exactly. Uh, in a coffee shop in a city, which is every coffee shop in every city, uh, and we will uh, we will find it and read it there. We'll be back with more TFT podcast next week. Uh, until then, uh, whether you are, are coming from the heart of Brocore or the, uh, the early 90s acoustic feminist backlash, please keep it real.